TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season number two. It's episode 13, and Wilson Contreras turns to the heel. That's the uh, title of this segment and this episode. And we don't want you to forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. As pitchers and uh, catchers are reporting, we uh, also, last week, Crowley, we had our... uh, Pakoda prediction. So in this segment, you're uh, having to sit down with Craig Goldstein, editor-in-chief of Baseball Prospectus, about Pakoda projections and why they say the Cubs will only be able to fly the W 77 times this year. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I'm happy to have on Craig Goldstein, editor-in-chief of Baseball Perspectives. Craig, you're not the most popular guy right now. How are you doing? I, I'm used to that, believe it or not. Uh, thank yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing great. And and we were joking around a little bit beforehand that you know, you guys put this out, and it is a projection. You're not saying that you have a crystal ball. It's just for fun, and you're putting this out here, and it just it's fun for guys like me and, and talk radio and sports talk and social media to just kind of get the conversation going, right? Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's for fun. It is also, we take it very seriously. We put a lot of time and effort into it. We want to be right. Uh, we we take when we're wrong, which people, you know, they tell us and, and they'll know uh, we are wrong. Um, they let us know and, and we take it seriously. We look at it. We look at the reasons why we're wrong, not just that we're wrong. Uh, there are aberrations, but those also aren't excuses to, you know, to miss repeatedly, which, you know, there are teams I, I was just on, uh, Cardinals uh, radio recently. They they note that we often underrate them, and they're right. And and there are reasons we're looking into it. We're having discussions about why that's happening. I have some theories, things like that. So we really want to get it right. And it's not. I mean, it is for fun. You know, we're lucky enough to do this uh, to do this job on a sport that's very fun and that we all love. But we also want it to be right. So it's it's a little bit in between. You know. Right, Craig, do me a favor. When you find out why the Cardinals keep overshooting their projections, would you please let us Cubs fans know so we can uh, pass it along to Jed Hoyer? Um, <laughs> so- I actually think Jed is is trying to do a little bit of what of what they do to be honest. So my theory on the Cubs, I mean on the on the Cardinals very briefly is is that uh, our our metric uh, deserved run average, which we which is very good uh, as an overall metric really dislikes Cardinals pitching. And part of that is they don't strike a lot of guys out and they're not, some of them are very good at avoiding walks, but not all of them. And so they have a lot of balls in play and they have an elite defense. And and obviously we project and rate their defense, uh, you know, well, but they really do a lot of long-term any metric that, that 
cares about how well a pitcher is doing, specifically just a pitcher, not his defense, is going to say, if you let a lot of balls in play, you're you're risking something, and and that's gonna you know you're gonna regress over time if you if you've had superb results on balls in play. The Cardinals keep producing these great defenses, right? And so they turn a lot of these balls and plays into outs. And so the pitchers overshoot the projections, that kind of thing. And I, I think you can look at what the Cubs focused on this offseason and see a little bit of that going on, right? There's a there's a focus on defense here. Definitely a pattern. Now, now for our listeners, I tried my best to explain Pakoda. Why don't you kind of give it a shot as far what Pakoda does and what it is? Yeah, so it, it projects each individual player. I actually, I, you know, I listened to your explanation. I think it was it was really right on. It, it projects each individual player, and from from that, we allot playing time using our depth charts team. Now, that's people. Uh, that's that's not a, a projection system uh, assigning playing time. That's a, a group of people that we have that looks at each roster and makes adjustments. We we make adjustments every day. If you go check our uh, Cubs depth chart today, Edwin Rios is on it. He wasn't there when these came out, you know, so that that changes every day based on injury news, based on playing time battles, spring training. There's a lot of there's a lot of updating going on this time of year. Right. Uh, and if you want to look at uh, Aaron Ashby, we just for the, for the just in the in the division, we reduced his playing time quite a bit with the news that his shoulder is not, you know, not progressing as they had planned. Uh, so so that's just an example. But we assign playing time based on that. And then we project out what the what the projections say for a player on a rate basis, apply the playing time we have allotted to them, and we get, you know, a wins above replacement. We factor in defense, we factor in base running, uh, we factor in hitting, obviously. Uh, from the pitching side, it's 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 strikeouts, it's walks, it's it's all of their stats, ground ball rate. That kind of thing, uh, and and defensively, we we look at again. Not only we look at their range. We just un unveiled a new range uh, metric last or two weeks ago. Um, we, we look at how good they are at throwing guys out from the outfield. We look at how many guys don't advance on balls. So if you're, you know, it, this is the Yadi Molina problem. If no one runs on Yadi Molina, you know, how good is he at throwing out bases? But he's got a lot of value if no one runs, right? right? So like we factor all of that kind of stuff in, you package it up and it ends up in wins above replacement player, warp our metric. And so we project that out. And then we look at the schedule you know, new balance schedule, who are you playing? How do the teams that you're playing project? And we run a thousand simulations. I, I know who, uh, your, your co-host you were talking to said, how, how do we end up with, you know, 74.7? Well, we do a thousand simulations. And so it's, it's just a straight average of all of those simulations. And we run them every night. So they change every night. Um, and, and because they're simulations, they're going to change a little bit every night. But broadly speaking, they stay about the same. Yeah, Dustin doesn't like math. I, I tried to explain. <laughs> I tried to explain. It's just the computer that spits it out. It doesn't factor in, you know, half games and and whatnot. So as we looked at Pakoda last year in 2022, it had Milwaukee in 93 wins, roughly, and uh, 94 wins. St. Louis at about 80 wins, 81 wins, and then uh, Cincinnati 79, Chicago at 70. You kind of briefly touched a little bit on why. St. Louis, because St. Louis, if you look at the final yeah. standings, really overshot by a lot, yeah. by about like 13 games. Um, the Cubs, you know, obviously, you know, you have to factor give or take a couple games when you look at these projections. But but for the Cubs, uh, you know, when I take a look at uh, Milwaukee, 86 and 76, what do the Cubs, what did the Cubs do last year that helped them shoot over their projection? 
So I, I think it's a few things. Uh, I think they had some pitchers come up, and, and, and I think their pitching development is actually really pretty interesting right now. They've definitely worked with a few relievers uh, that that I think have progressed really well, and, and also their starters. I think you look at uh, Justin Steele, who is actually projected for the highest work among the rotation uh, for us this year. I think he came up and did – you know, th- there's some things that he – his control is not the greatest. There's the walks there, but he misses a lot of bats, which our system really likes. I think if you look at, um, he, you know, Keegan Thompson as well, he, he came up and performed really, really well. Uh, our, our, our projection for him is not so great. I think, again, that's if you look at walks. Uh, what Steele does really well is obviously keep the ball on the ground, and anything that prevents home runs is going to be rated really highly by our, our both our metric and our projection system, and they're actually two different two different things there. Uh, so I think getting big time contributions from guys like that is, is a really big factor on what they were able to do uh, to overshoot the projection a little bit. But as you said, like you give a few games here and there, uh, as Harry Pavlita said, who's, who's based in Chicago for us, he's, he's uh, on, on the stats side of things for us. We really give like basically a six game pillow, which is it's kind of a lot, but you're also, it's a 162 game season and you're starting before anything happens. And you have teams, and the Cubs were one of them, for example, they might have overshot this by more had they not dealt away a, a number of players at the trade deadline. And, you know, you take a team like St. Louis, they added at the trade deadline. Uh, I think they were only five games over 500 when they made that trade. They obviously, those trades, they obviously finished well over that. Um, and, and we can't know who's going to do what, when, right? We, we don't have those movements planned out in advance. And you can't even build in an excuse to say like, well, they'll probably add someone and, you know, doing it like that just doesn't really work. So we're always going to miss a a fair bit, but I I think on the pitching side, that is really where I think uh, the Cubs shined for the most part last year in terms of overperforming the projections. I I did not look, but that that's my guess. Yeah. Now, now Milwaukee undershot and you're talking about trades and and trading Josh Hader away to San Diego. I mean, that's very clearly going to affect their win loss totals at the end of the year. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. There's that. And and I also want to point out like with our Cubs, uh, sorry, with our Brewers projections, people have noticed with the Brewers, we tend to rate them very highly. And, And that's not any sort of like intentional bias on that. It's that they pick players that align really well with what our metrics value. Uh, So, or I shouldn't say, but they have players. Corbin Burns doesn't walk guys, strikes a ton of guys out. Our metric, and and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, our metrics adore Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns and even Freddie Peralta. But the thing is with really everyone in that group except for Woodruff, there are some health issues. Burns has missed time. Peralta has missed a bunch of time. And so a lot of these misses too, are on death charts. And, and I'm not trying to put our death charts team down. I think they do an incredible job. Or you look at Jason Martinez over at Fangraphs. The, the, all of these guys do an incredible job. But you can't predict. I mean, predicting health is is almost folly. But we have to do our best with it, right? And so knowing who's going to be healthy, who's going to rack up the playing time, and who's not. And I, and I think, you know, again, if we want to bring this back to the Cubs, bringing in someone like Dansby Swanson, who's missed two games over the last two seasons, or the uh, you know, last three seasons, it, you know, that's a big deal when you're building a team, right? You can count on him being there. And so we've we've always had these issues with how do you project Jacob deGrom? Or, you know, again, this guy is the best pitcher on in baseball when he's pitching, but you don't know when he's going to pitch. So, you know, those are always on some level guesses. They're informed guesses, uh, but they are guesses. And 
they're always going to be wrong in some capacity. And so I think those those are often where we miss as well. Right. And so when we look at this year's projections, and we talked about it on our last show, Milwaukee and St. Louis, uh, roughly about the same, 80, let's say 88 wins, and the Cubs at 77 wins. And so that was kind of some of the questions, uh, you know, that we had for you is that when we looked around the diamond um, and, and factoring in especially defense more and offense, both of them, it looks like they upgraded every position other than third and, and in the infield and center field. And so when we look at that, it's just scratch your head, like how does that only add up to three more wins? But one thing that you did bring up earlier is the the new balanced schedule of having to face every team in the majors. How big of a factor is that going to be this year? It's definitely a factor. We've done some some writing. Rob Maines on our site has done some writings reviewing, I think, two of the, the divisions. Uh, I, I think the, the Easts and the, the Centrals uh, in both leagues on kind of how much they're impacted. I, look, in general, the Centrals in the, in the AL and in the NL have been a little bit weaker uh, on a on a talent basis um, compared to the the East and the West, at least on the top tier, right? Um, and and that's because you know the, it hasn't always showed up in win totals, but it has kind of in in a little bit more subjective valuations, or even when you're looking at WAR and and, and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think there is a a little bit of a downside. The the centrals are kind of the most negatively affected. It's not it's not a massive amount though. I mean, the, you know, we look at these teams are all going to get you know okay. So they have less games against Pittsburgh and and this year Cincinnati. Uh, that's that's a loss. But they also are going to play kind of the bottom tier of other divisions uh, in in times that they wouldn't. So you're not losing all those games necessarily against bad teams. You're you're just losing a few. Uh, that's certainly part of it. I, I think the big thing I would note is Pakoda or any projection system is not going to look at the record last year and project an improvement or or um, or you know a step back regression. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife Abby, my sister Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. It's just going off the the projected war, essentially, uh, the, the, again, there are there are park factors. There there are there is the schedule. There's all of that, and and there run simulations. But we're not looking at is they were 74 wins last year. Are, it's only a three game improvement. Again, we we projected them to be 70 wins last year, and so from projection to projection, or 71, I guess if we round up uh, projection to projection, it's a six game improvement. Now, again, we were we were low last year. It's possible we'll be low again, but it's not meant to be a direct comparison to what actual record they finished at last year and that type of improvement. And, and I understand why people will do that. It's a natural thing to do, but we're, that's not the baseline we're starting with. We're starting from scratch and, and projecting that improvement. So that that's one, that's probably the biggest thing I want to stress is that we're not trying to say, Oh, all these moves only add up to a three game improvement. It's it's really just this entire team adds up to we're projecting a, a, you know around a seventy seven win team, right? And so let, let's go back to the Cardinals. You say that you guys tend to underrate them, or you know every year, and, or, or they overshoot their project uh, projections. One of the things that we've had to deal with for many many years is Yadier Molina, 
<laughs> and I always felt that Yadi is a guy that his true value doesn't show up in projections or the stat sheet and how he handles a pitching staff. Now yep. the Cubs are going to go, you know, are not going to have Wilson anymore. He goes to the Cardinals. The Cardinals don't have y- uh, Yadi or Molina anymore. So I'm very curious as to how the Cardinals pitching staff, they're, they're always, they always seem to do the fundamentals right. And so I think that is what helps them overshoot their projections is when you look at it, they don't make a lot of fielding mistakes, a lot of base running mistakes, even if they don't have the best pitchers. And so you don't give a lot of team second opportunities that increases your odds of having a higher win total. What do you see as the, I'll call it the Yachty effect with Yachty leaving and Wilson, who his game calling skills have been called into question before. What effect do you think that's going to have on the Cardinals pitching staff? Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see, honestly, because, you know, the, the other way to, to look at this, and I'm not, I'm going to step away from the, the Cardinals really quick, but I promise it ties back, is that we, when when you talked about the where they improved, right, everywhere but but center field, third base, but they, they really took a step, the Cubs took a step back at catcher, you know, maybe not defensively, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to throw shade at Tucker Barnhart, but in general, Wilson Contreras, as a package of, of you know, the sum of his parts, is a is a really good player. That's why he got a lot of money in free agency, right? Um, and and understanding that his framing is not particularly good. Now we obviously value framing very highly. We've come up with that. Uh, we, we were one of the pioneers in, in assigning a value to framing that kind of thing. We know Yadi does that really well. We know his his ability to prevent runners from going, even if he's not throwing guys out, just because of the threat uh, is is incredible. You know, we value that as well, but as a whole, Wilson Contreras in our projection still represents a significant improvement just because of how good his bat is. We present project him to be 20% better than league average as a hitter from the catcher position. The catcher position in general is worse than the league average. Like every single catcher on average is worse than the, the, the average across the league, across all positions. So for him to be 20% better than the league across all positions as a catcher means they're getting incredible offensive production uh, production from that position. It's a really big deal. Now, to your point, this is a this is a team that has thrived off fundamentals, off uh, pitching succeeding. Again, they've they've outpaced our projections multiple times. Um, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. I don't know. We think framing is incredibly incredibly valuable. We've also seen it compress across the league over years as more and more catchers have gotten better at framing, even bringing that baseline up, even if, uh, you know, even if they're not as good as someone like Yadier Molina uh, at doing that. So I, I think that's going to be a negative for, for the pitching staff uh, for St. Louis. We'll see though, because ball, you know, balls in play, they're, they're deep. Nolan Arenado and Tommy Edmond are still elite defenders. Uh, Brendan Donovan's a very good defender. Paul Goldschmidt, a very good defender. Uh, some of what, you know, some of what we have in our projection for the Cardinals is Arenado and Goldschmidt were MVP level performances. Either one of them could have deserved it. Obviously one got it, but either one of them in my eyes could have deserved that MVP. We have been taking a step back from that. Still extreme, extremely, extremely good players and projects very well but they're going to take a little bit step back. That's part of what informs our projection. Uh, You know, it it tends not to assume career years over and over. 
Now, when you talk about uh, defense and the moves that the Cubs made, obviously, yeah. you know, you got Nico, uh, Dansby Swanson at short, one of the best defensive shortstops. You, yeah. you move Nico, who had a very underrated year. I still can't believe that guy wasn't nominated for a gold glove, moving from short to second. And then uh, having, uh, you may want to talk about, you know, uh, Cody Bellinger out in center. So, I mean, maybe Jed, like you said, is looking at the Cardinal you know, the path that they've taken and trying to emulate that idea of run prevention. Yeah. I, I, I think that it's an old baseball adage to build your defense from the middle out. And if you look at what the Cubs did, they are improved defensively at catcher. There's no, no doubt about that. I, you know, I think it's a downgrade overall, but defensively much improved at catcher. As you said, Swanson, an elite defender. Again, we just had our, a new metric come out on this front. Uh, his range is about average, but he's one of the most elite players at executing what he gets to. And it, and it rates him as, I think, the, the second overall defender uh, at shortstop across the league last year. So, And, and I'm not trying to, to throw shade on him. Again, like this is just what the metric says. Uh, and he's, he's, again, what he gets to, it all turns into outs. He turns double plays really well. An elite defender at shortstop, as you said. Nico Horner, underrated last year. And I think you put him at second. I think his bat, you know, the, the bat profiles well there. Uh, the two of them up the middle are going to be really strong. And Cody Bellinger, look, I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a Dodgers fan. I got that in the background. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I love Cody Bellinger. It's been really rough offensively. I think he's a little bit underrated defensively, honestly. I, I think he, um, I, he really goes and gets it out there. I think people, I don't know if they'll be surprised at the athleticism, but if you're not watching him, you see this tall, lanky guy, he flies. He's really fast on the bases. He gets really good jumps. Uh, he's, he's really smooth out there, and that's not a big center field. And I think he's going to run a lot of stuff down in the gaps. I, so, I, you know, I didn't mind that move. It was To me, it was an expensive bit to, to pay. He got about what he was going to get in arbitration. Um you know, I, I'd love to see the bat come alive because the guy was, he was the MVP, you know, like he was that, that good, not that long ago. And he's gone through some injuries. He's had, a sh you know, the dislocated shoulder. He uh, was, there was a collision at first where he had a hairline fracture on his leg. His back has been a problem. Those are all concerns uh, if, if you're a Cubs fan, I think, but there are also reasons why he hasn't performed where he has uh, previously in terms of offense. So, but yeah, I, so again, up the middle, catcher, shortstop, second base, center field, really strong. And I think I don't have a problem with building a team that way. I, I actually like it. Again, it's an, it's kind of an old scouting adage that that's the way to do it. I think that's the focus. I The, the question I have when I'm looking at this team is like, are they going to get enough offensively out of those guys? Yeah, that's that's the big question we have over here, too, is where the run is going to come from. Where's the power going to come from? Um, the one question I really, truly had for you about Pakoda is, is how, obviously, there is a whole bunch of new rules just all of a sudden just kind of coming yeah. right on here. When you talk about the shifts, when you talk about a pitch clock, how many times you can disengage from the base, uh, the, the size of the base. How I mean, is there any way that you guys were able to include those things into the projections? So the, the thing that we were able to include into the projections was the, the essentially the pickoff rule. And, and we actually just had an article go up yesterday, Friday, on, um, on how, we, how we did that in terms of projections, in terms of stolen bases. And that is because we had some data from the minor leagues on, on how to factor that, that part in from AAA. Uh, there, were, there were leagues using that rule. And so we kind of changed how we project stolen bases and, and 
I mean, as you might expect with a pickoff rule, you increase kind of the number of stolen bases. There's a whole article on that. I encourage people to read it because I'm not going to do it justice. Um, in terms of the shift, we we really have not factored that in. And the way that we tend to do that is we look at the run environment of the previous year it is kind of our baseline. And, you know, we're, we're going to see how it is. I think we basically felt we looked at doing that and we basically felt uh, you got to get into more trouble, assuming, you know, making making these assumptions. And what we'll really do is look at how it turns out next year and see how that informs our analysis going forward. Uh, but it's it's just it's a little hard to know how it's going to play out because I, I think it's going to matter for some guys. The question is, can you isolate which individual players? It's not just all pole players. Uh, some guys, again, teams are still allowed to position pretty aggressively. It's just that you can't cross over. You know, you can't have three guys on one side of the bag. How much that's going to impact guys who pull the ball a lot? Anything that we do is really going to be uh, more of a guess than we were comfortable with ultimately. And so that's that's why we didn't we ultimately didn't do that. And we're certainly going to see some guys uh, make some some, you know, outperform or underperform projections potentially uh, based on on the, those kind of changes that that we can't necessarily factor in right off the top. Now, Jed has been in Mesa and uh, he brought up, you know, he, the Pocota projections were obviously one and other other group, other publications have their own projections. And, you know, it, it was kind of interesting because Jed said, I think we have a lot of players that have the potential to break out and exceed their projections with every guy coming yep. into spring. That has to be the goal. How do I make it to another level? How do I exceed my projections? That's how we get to where we need to be offensively. Have guys bounce back from years that they weren't as strong as they hoped. Young guys taking the next step. And a guy like Saya in his second year, we have a lot of guys who have a chance to take that step. And we probably need that to a certain extent. And I think that's about yeah. as spot on as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. I, and look, I will say like, I think our projection of Saya hasn't taken that next step, next step. We, we, we really liked him coming over from Japan. I still really like him. Like he had that, he, he had a, a little bit of injury nagging him a little bit. I think it affected his performance. We project him for a 122 DRC plus that's deserved runs created. Again, that's on a scale. So 122 means 22% better than league average. That's a, that's a really good player. Uh, last year we had him at about 105 to 107. I, I, I'm going off the top of my head. I think it was 107, maybe. That's a big improvement, 15 percent uh, percentage points uh, from one year to the next. So I, I think we have him taking that next step. But what Jed is absolutely right about this is not to get too into the weeds, but these are 50th percentile projections. So we do we do a lot of simulations. We project a range of outcomes, and this is this is the midline of all of that. If you download our Pocota spreadsheet, if you're a, a subscriber uh, for, for BP, your spreadsheet will show you first percentile, fifth, 10th, 20, 30, all the way up to 90, 95, and 99. These guys are going to perform somewhere along that spectrum, right? There are guys who are going to have a great season, and it will look a lot like what our 90th percentile projection was. That's performing at the kind of the top of your range, 90th, 95th, something like that. So he, he's absolutely right that some of these guys are going to well exceed our 50th percentile projections. That's just, that's how life works. That's how the sport works. Um, and you, you could argue that the Cubs have a number of guys that are well suited to take those steps and exceed their 50th percentile projection. But what, what I've found is, at least for me, maybe it's not everyone, but at least for me, I'm not always good at factoring in downside as much as I am upside. And again, that's kind of one of those things where it's like, do you factor in the step back from Wilson Contreras to Tucker Barnhart as much as you do the upgrade from 
Nico Horner at short and and a rotating cast of players at second to uh, Horner at second and Swanson at short. And the other part of it is I, I would point out is we really don't see Swanson replicating his his uh, incredible season last year. And and that's not to knock him. He even by our metrics, he had a great season last year, but he's been pretty inconsistent in his career. And if you actually look from 2022 to 2021, he's basically the same guy on his on his slash line average OBP slugging. What happened is the league offense, uh, the environment cratered around him. And all of a sudden he's like 15 percentage points better than league average uh, year to year. You know what I mean? Uh, Even though he's basically the same guy. So the question I have is what is the league environment going to look like? Some of that's the baseballs, you know, some of the, you know, they seemed like they were a little bit deadened last year. You know, we'll, we'll see. We don't always know that, but in his over his career, Swanson has not been as good an offensive player as he was last year. And Pakoda and our model takes into account uh, a significant number of a player's career, not just the most recent year. It does weight the most recent year the most heavily, but you know all of those things factor into to something like this. And and the reality is, and the Cubs might be right, Swanson might be right that he's actually just a better offensive player now than he has been over the balance of his career. And if he goes out and proves that, he's going to outproduce our projection well craig i appreciate you hopping on and i hope to have you on again next year around this time so we can see where everything all played out do me a favor tell me where our listeners can uh find follow you on social media and follow the work of baseball perspectives which is one of the top tier as far as these publications are concerned thank you very much i appreciate you saying that yeah uh you can find me on twitter at cd goldstein uh i tweet a lot so if you if you don't like it no offense taken uh, <laughs> um and and find our work at baseballperspectus.com again we have uh we have annual subscriptions we have monthly subscriptions we also produce a book uh the baseball perspectives annual it's shipping out it's shipping right now essays on every team projections and cap you know captions and and blurbs on on over 2000 players at an average of around 65 per team uh we there's our top 100 uh 101 prospect lists uh we have all sorts of stuff in there it's, it's it's really packed with a lot of goodies. So check it out if you get a chance. All right, Craig, you made me feel better. I love you a little bit more now after this conversation. And thank you again for coming on. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 